Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano with another interview. This interview actually is a little bit older than the one I covered last week. And in this interview, he leads off talking about Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, who's the founder of the Society of St. Pius X. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, It's a highly charged question. It brings up the schizzy question. Are you in schism? Have you broken from the Roman Church? Do you reject the Pope? Are you truly a faithful Catholic in communion with Rome? Uh, The debate, the question, the discussion, the dialogue about Archbishop Lefebvre brings all of that out. And I'm going to give a hopefully fraternal and cautionary explanation of what that's all about based on what Archbishop Vigano says about Archbishop Lefebvre. You can see them both here, right here. Uh, the older gentleman with the gray hair. Well, I guess they both have, we all, <laughs> I got a little gray. The guy in the middle is Archbishop Lefebvre. The uh, one on the far left, of course, is Archbishop Vigano. And then also, uh, the second question in the follow-up to that regards the St. Gallen Mafia. I'll discuss that a little bit. And also, the concept of infiltration, which, of course, is a big deal to me. It's the thesis of my book, aptly titled, infiltration. And one reason I keep on circling back to that is because in 2019, when I openly said there's been an infiltration in the church, people laughed at me, mocked at me. I don't hold it against them. None of us want to recognize this. None of us want to look at the family and say, there's a problem in the family. It's easier to close your eyes. But in order to fix things, you have to have honesty, And uh, you have to have people looking at the problem and then asking the question, how do we fix the problem? And that's ultimately where we are in 2022. So we're going to begin with an Our Father in Latin, and then we'll look at what Archbishop Vigano says about Archbishop Lefebvre, Sankala Mafia, and the concept of infiltration. Are you ready for this Holy Week show? I am. Let's do it. Oremus nomini patris et fidi et spiritus sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimiti nobis debita nostra, sicut in nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et nenos in ducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Our Lady Fatima, pray for us. Nomeni Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, let's jump into it. As I said in the intro, this is an interview uh, that Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano gave to Dr. Armando Manachia. Hopefully I got that correct. What's interesting about it is, is an Italian interview, and it's not a written interview like we're sometimes used to. This was actually on the Italian television channel, Canale Italia, or the Italian channel. I don't know how popular that channel is, but I think it is worth noting that this is on TV. This is mainstream. We are in 2022. We're actually in a situation where an archbishop who was the nuncio to the United States of America on behalf of Pope Ben XVI to Washington, D.C., is on Italian television talking about Masonic infiltration, St. Gallen Mafia, Francis as Bergoglio, questioning Francis as Pope. 
talking about Vatican II as a revolution in the church, progressivism, attack on tradition, etc. All of this on Italian television. It's mainstream. It's not going away. And this bothers Pope Francis. It bothers those associated with the St. Gallen Mafia, those associated with Cardinal McCarrick, etc. It's growing, it's growing, and it's growing. Also, as I stated before, and I, we put out a little short video um, of a highlight. I talked about how people are distancing themselves from Archbishop Vigano. I'm not going to name the names. If you follow traditional Catholic Twitter or traditional Catholic YouTube or blogs or whatever, as you know, I try not to go and roll down in the dirt with a lot of this stuff. But you'll see that people have been throwing bricks and throwing bombs at Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. And I discussed why that is. First off, it's he's questioned the papacy of Bergoglio. That's a big one. And then secondly, he's questioned Vatican II. Um, these two, especially the latter, are just... In diocesan Catholic circles, you just don't go there. Maybe when you're with your, with your buddies drinking some Coors Lights, if you're out in Colorado, or maybe if you're more like a Jesuit in Boston, you're having your apple teenies. Uh, these kind of things can be said, but you certainly would never say these things out loud. Archbishop Vigano says them out loud. You know, you can criticize scandal, seminaries, bishop appointments. What else can you criticize and not get in trouble? Um, the Jesuits, that's a safe thing to criticize. But if you actually go after what Vigano calls a root cause, like the Second Vatican Council, people are going to come and try to scalp you. They're coming after you hard. Okay, so the opening question that Dr. Armando Manachia asked is, quote, it's a Vatican II question. Quote, beginning with the Second Vatican Council, Masonic infiltrations within the Catholic Church have become increasingly substantial. Progressivism and relativism have been employed as weapons to undermine fidelity to tradition. Did Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, who was excommunicated by John Paul II in 1988, therefore sense that Catholicism was on the brink of the abyss? End quote. By the way, that term abyss is often used in the book of the apocalypse. Sadly, you know I'm a big Dewey Rames fan. I'm always promoting the Dewey Rames English version. People always say, what Bible should I be reading? And I always say, Dewey Rames. Dewey Rames. I'm DJ Dewey Rhymes. Rhymes. I'm always talking about it. But unfortunately, when you read the Apocalypse in the Dewey Rhymes, it says bottomless pit instead of leaving it as abyss, which is unfortunate. Um, so again, there are not everything in the Dewey Rhymes is perfect, and that's one of them. So I think by using the term abyss here, he is evoking the original Greek and Vulgate versions of the Apocalypse. Archbishop Vigano answers, quote, certainly Archbishop Lefebvre was one of the few, very few prelates who wanted to denounce the conciliar revolution, understanding its subversive nature. And I say, quote, who wanted because many other prelates understood that a real revolution was underway. Some saw it as a danger, others saw it as a springtime in the church. But among those who saw the danger, almost no one knew how to denounce it openly. 
Today, we understand the historical merit of Archbishop Lefebvre in having rebelled against the line dictated by the conciliar Politburo and having created the premises for a return of the church to the doctrine and holy mass of all time. Okay, first off, I should say I need to credit LifeSite News. This is where I'm getting the English translation. It doesn't list who translated it. Well, let me scroll down to the end here just to make sure. I want to credit people. I don't see it here. And my bad if it's on here. So uh, thank you to LifeSite for making this English available. Okay, so let's get into this. Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, who was he? Uh, he was a Frenchman. Um, his father was murdered under the Nazis, died under the Nazis. Uh, he became a priest. Eventually, he became the superior of the Holy Ghost Fathers, which is a missionary order. And this is a time when missions and preaching to people who were idolaters, uh, followed primitive religion, worshipped totems, worshipped idols, worshipped nature, worshipped demigods, worshipped forces of nature. The idea in the Catholic Church, believe it or not, before Vatican II was you should go out, preach to these people that what they're worshipping is not truly God, tell them about the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, tell them about the virgin birth, the perfect life of Christ, Christ as the true high priest. He died on the cross to redeem us from our sins. He descended into hell. He there redeemed the Old Testament faithful. And on the third day, he rose again to justify us. He ascended into heaven on the 40th day. And on the 50th day, he sent down the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to guide the church until his return at the end of time when he will judge the quick and the dead. Yes, Catholic priests risked their lives. They risked martyrdom. They got malaria. They got gravely ill. Some of them died. They went out into the world, as did Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, and preached to the people who had no hope, who had no gospel, who had no Jesus Christ in his sacraments. He was, Archbishop Lefebvre, a hero, a missionary man. And I once was blessed to have lunch with someone very close to Archbishop Lefebvre. I won't say his name because I don't want to cause controversy. He's still alive. And he said the thing about Archbishop Lefebvre was he was a man of action. He was a man of missions, missionary activity. He was not a man of canon law. I think we need to understand that, that, you know, even canon law itself says that the salvation of souls is the highest law. And Sadly, we can sit. Now, here's what I'm going to kind of give some fraternal and hopefully charitable exhortation to my fellow traditional Catholics. A lot of people, especially since 1988, want to pile on and talk about all the things, and not even all the things, it's really one thing, that Archbishop Lefebvre did wrong. Of course, in 1988, he consecrated four bishops against the express, explicit will of then John Paul II and who was assisting in the whole dialogue, then Cardinal Ratzinger, who then came on to be Bennett XVI, and then later lifted the excommunications. When you think about battle, when you think about trench warfare, 
you think about the horrors of war. Oftentimes, yes, you can never make up your own rules. But yes, when things are very difficult and confusing, you have to go with, in this case, the highest principle, the salvation of souls. We now stand in retrospect and we see that beginning in really the 1950s, we could talk about pre-55 Holy Week. I want to talk about that, but I'm not going to talk about that today. Of what Annabelle Bugnini did when he began to change Holy Week in 1951 through 1955, enshrined in the 1962 Missal. Bugnini said that that was part of the phasing of bringing about the Novus Ordo liturgy, of changing the Mass, changing all seven sacraments, changing the breviary into the liturgy of the hours, etc. There was this whole progressive movement that began in, well, I argue it comes, begins in the 1800s, but it, be, it begins on paper in 1951, then again in 1955, then again in the Second Vatican Council, and then finally in the revision of all seven sac the, the liturgy for all seven sacraments. That's a lot happening in a period of 20 years. Archbishop Lefebvre in 1970 founded with canonical and ecclesiastical bishop and papal approval the Society of St. Pius X to preserve tradition, to preserve the sacraments, celebrated all seven sacraments in the old way. Yes, there were priests saying the old ways, but he was the one who moved forward, even though he's a missionary, with the canonical mechanism to preserve it. In other words, he checked all the canonical boxes in 1970 and moved along and tried to work with Paul VI up until 1975, 1976. I don't want to give you a full biography of Lefebvre. But he journeyed, he accompanied Paul VI as far as, far as he could go. And then everything starts to break down and gets really messy. 1975, 1976. In 1983, you have a new code of canon law. You have the Assisi meetings, or you have Buddhas, by the Dalai Lama on an altar, tabernacle of a Catholic church, yes, with permission of John Paul II. All these things happening, and he's getting to be an old man. He realizes you got to have priests. You need more bishops. He makes a decision in 1988, and we can debate it all we want. Whether it was legit, whether it was illegit, supplied jurisdiction. Should he have? Should he have waited? Should he have just died and let it all go? Again, remember, there was no Institute of Christ the King. There was no fraternity of St. Peter yet. Those all came as reactions or as solutions to a problem that was pushed forward on the back of Archbishop Lefebvre. I triggered a lot of people last week when I brought this out. Oh boy, I had my I brought out the Lefebvre portrait. Woo! People get triggered. All I'm saying is, look, we're in a battle. And I don't think you have to be someone who whether you agree or disagree with the 1988 consecrations, whether you agree or disagree on that. And I actually think when you look at the 83 code and he felt that this was something needed and necessary, I think it, he actually does escape from the excommunication. That's another show. 
I don't even know if I'll ever make that show. Whether you agree or not, you have to say that he is the missionary giant, the theological giant during the Second Vatican Council, and I document some of the things that he was doing uh, in my book, Infiltration. Other people have documented it as well. Uh, Roberto de Matei, others, of course, uh, those in the Society of St. Pius X. He was a missionary giant. He was a theological giant. He was a liturgical giant, and he was thinking forward in 1988. You know, let's just be frank. The Ecclesia Dei bodies don't have a bishop. They never gave them a Lefebvre. They have to go and ask local ordinaries or cardinals to come and do their ordinations, but they don't have a bishop. Opus Dei, they, they get a bishop. All kinds of other groups and orders get bishops. Uh, the legionaries of Christ, they get their bishop. But the Ecclesia Dei bodies, like Fraternity of St. Peter and Institute of Christ the King, they don't, they don't get one. They don't get one. And that's a problem. And in a way, I think Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre looked forward and saw that traditional Catholics who were trying to preserve the theology and the liturgy of the Catholic Church knew that they weren't going to be treated canonically or fairly. And I think whether you are for or against the SSPX, I think you have to admit that Archbishop Lefebvre is a giant in Catholic history in the 1900s. He is a giant. He is perhaps... Boy, it's really hard. I mean, you know, maybe bracket popes like Pius X or Pius XII, influential Catholics, not for Nouvelle Theologie like Balthazar or de Lubac. I mean, he's, I don't know. He's definitely in the top five, top three. Maybe as time runs on, he might be top one, number one. Archbishop Vigano says that there were many prelates at the time that knew that Vatican II was a revolution, but they didn't know how to counter it openly. He says almost no one knew how to denounce it openly. And then he says, this is the key to Lefebvre. I think Vigano has this right. He says, today we understand the historical merit of Archbishop Lefebvre in having rebelled against the line dictated by the conciliar politburo. I don't know what that word is. Let me look it up. This is what happens when you do live shows. Ah, politburo is the chief political and executive committee of the Communist Party of Leninist Marxism. All right, so that's what it means. That's quite the dig by Archbishop Vigano, right? And having created the premises, Vigano says, for return of the church to the doctrine and holy mass of all time. Yes, in a way, Archbishop Lefebvre brought out the sledgehammer. He brought out the sledgehammer and we are still 
looking at the hole in the wall that he broke open. A lot of people say, if it wasn't for Archbishop Flev, we would never have the Latin Mass. We wouldn't have the 62 Missal, on and on and on. I don't, I don't know divine contingencies. That's a really hard game to play. But where we are now, in reality, in 2022, every single person who's attending the traditional Latin Mass has crawled through the hole in the sheetrock that John, uh, sorry, that Archbishop Lefebvre broke open with his sledgehammer. It's messy. There's rubble on the ground. There's dust. But we are attending the traditional Latin Mass. Remember, the fraternity of St. Peter grows out, comes out of the Society of St. Pius X. Ecclesia Day comes out of this hole, this hole in the wall that Lefebvre broke open. Now, the next question has to do with Sankala Mafia and infiltration. So he's asked, could the Sankala Mafia be considered a sort of ecclesiastical world economic forum? Archbishop Vigano says, if we identify the World Economic Forum as a private lobby that has placed its followers in the most important posts of national and international public institutions in order to impose the globalist ag agenda against the will of the citizens, it is certainly fitting to see a parallel with the Sankala Mafia. Now, what is the Sankala Mafia? The Sankala Mafia were a group of cardinals and bishops who would meet in Switzerland at a place called St. Gallen. The name of the town is named after St. Gall, who I believe um, was a Irish or English missionary who came back to the continent. I think that's right. Anyway, this town is named after him, St. Gallen. And Cardinal Daniels openly spoke about that being a club or even the term mafia. They would meet and they were trying to achieve an agenda. That agenda had to do with reforming the Catholic Church's theology on ordination for women and married men, for acceptance of LMNOP, LGBT, unnatural marriage and blessings, as you see right now in Germany with the bishops in Germany, um, and generally making the liturgy more and more indigenous, enculturated throughout the world. Of course, the ultimate expression of that is Pachamama, bringing in a Mother Earth goddess idol into Catholic worship, even into St. Peter's Basilica as an abomination of desolation. So is the, I would actually kind of disagree here. Sankala Mafia was sort of a, it's a mafia. It's not a public forum like the World Economic Forum. It, it was secret. It was careful, right? It was more occult more hidden. The World Economic Forum is right in our faces. It was only after the fact that we realized that Cardinal Daniels and the Sankala Mafia were turning their wheels to get somebody, that somebody meaning Jorge Bergoglio, to be the Pope. Even Cardinal McCarrick says a distinguished Italian gentleman came to him in order to campaign to promote the election of Jorge Bergoglio, who becomes Pope Francis I in Rome. Vigano then says, but just as there is not only the world economic forum in the public sphere, so there is not only the Sankala Mafia in the ecclesiastical sphere. And I agree with Archbishop Vigano here. You know, there's the German Bishop Conference 
which in a way is much more now, much more aggressive than what the St. Gallen Mafia was doing during John Paul II. Second part of this is talks about infiltration. So Archbishop Vigano goes on. He says, we are facing a global coup that involves both civil society and the church. Both are infiltrated and controlled by characters who use their power and authority that derives from it. Not for the purposes of institutions they govern, but in order to destroy them. The crisis of authority must be denounced because the action of those who have reached the highest levels of leadership, both of nations and of the church, is a subversive and criminal act, end quote. So here's the concept of infiltration. I want to, I've explained it before, but there's a lot of new people on the channel. It's been growing a lot last month or so. What do I mean by infiltration? What is meant by infiltration? Okay. Maybe you have a pool in your backyard or you know someone has a pool or you've taken care of a pool. Every pool has a filtration system. The water, all the water in this, you can think of a big pool, Olympic pool, hotel pool, or a smaller pool in your backyard. All the water goes through a filtration system through one pipe and then back into the pool after it goes through the filter. And the purpose of the filter is to capture anything that is foreign or dangerous to the health of the water. There's actually an, an article out there that comes after Taylor Marshall, me, for saying that liberal people are goo and gunk and silt and all that. And what's, what's incorrect about it is they took me explaining the analogy of infiltration and then they sort of magnified it. Right. So here's what I'm saying. If there's dirt in the pool, if there's moss, algae, whatever, that comes in, it gets sucked in and gets caught in the filter. Right now it's springtime. Right. So there's a lot of pollen that falls in pools, these little sticky things that fall in pools, these little squiggly things. Right. The pistols, you know, and all these things come off the trees and flowers and they go into pools. It goes into the filter. There's a little skimmer on the side. It, it goes in there and gets in the filter. And then the water goes back clean and pure back in the pool. And if this is happening, guess what? Your pool is crystal clean. It's safe. You, if the water gets in your ear, you're not going to get an earache. It looks beautiful. It's not yellow from pollen or silt or dirt. It doesn't have a bunch of little leaves or little particles or what or grass clippings because the filter did its job. It got rid of all that. And occasionally, you or the pool man or someone has to come in, turn it all off, open the filter, clean the filter, get all the junk out of it, throw it away, and then put the filters back in. Okay, infiltration. Infiltration is when debris, gunk, pollen, Dirt, garbage gets past the filter. There's a rip in the filter, a hole in the filter, or the filter is entirely removed and someone forgot to put it back in. What happens? The pump is pumping, but the pool never gets clean. It starts to get algae. It becomes unsafe. You don't want to swim in it. You don't even want your dog to get into it. 
because it's gunk is getting past the filter. The Catholic Church has a filtration device. It's working right now. It is the magisterium. It is the promise of Jesus Christ that the gates of hell will not prevail. Unfortunately, however, evil men have come in and created little pinprick holes in the filter. So while the pump is running, bad things like, let's say, an evil seminarian who only wants to enter seminary to get money and have access to other men. That happens a lot, in case you didn't notice. Men who don't want to go get real jobs, want to sit in a nice million-dollar rectory in downtown Boston, downtown New York, downtown Chicago, pick your pimp pad place, London, drink apple teenies on their fancy furniture, work for a few hours a day, and then hang out with their boys, the bros. There should be a system to filter that. Instead, they're coming in through, they're getting pumped in, and then they're getting pushed right back out into the pool. And so we have a priesthood. We have clergy all over America and all over Europe and, yes, all over the world who are, who are catamites and sodomites who don't believe the gospel, who don't believe in the church, who don't believe in the sacraments. What they believe in is the collection plate and their lifestyle. And they get up and they say some fuzzy words about community and belief and faith and Easter hope and Easter joy and Paschal mystery. And then they sit down and they go back to their bachelor lifestyle. That's just one example. The same thing could be true with uh, liturgy. We used to have rubrics and books and standards of what could be done and could be said in mass. So if anything weird came in through the pipe, it got caught in that filter. Now, you know, you can ride in on a skateboard. You can bring a Pachamama idol. You can sing uh, music to the, you can sing songs to the four corners of the earth and the winds. You can bring in uh, pagan props. You can put on uh, yoga pants and a leotard and dance all around during the offertory, swirling a ribbon, ribbon around. Those standards, that filter system has been infiltrated. It comes in by the pump, infiltrates past the filter, and then goes right back out into the pool. And so here we are standing 50, 60, 70 years later, we're looking at the pool. The system is still there, folks. The system works. The problem is, is we need someone to repair the filter, to take the filter out, clean all that junk and crud out, put it in, turn the motor back on, and let's get that pool clean. Clear, healthy, sparkling, and have a nice summertime around the pool. That's, that's the idea. And that's why infiltration is a good analogy. We have a system. We have a church. We have a hierarchy. We have a magisterium. We have divine liturgy. We have all these standards that have been set in place for 1,900 and 
however you want to do it, 50 years, 60 years. All of a sudden at Vatican II, everyone's like, let's just take this, uh, this knife here and just start poking holes in the filter. And then we wonder why the, why the pool looks green. Archbishop Vigano says that the church is infiltrated and controlled by characters who use their power and authority that derives from it, not for the purposes of institution they govern, but in order to destroy them. You see, they don't care about the holy sacrifice of the Mass being beautiful and glorious and worthy of God, of lifting the heart and the soul and the mind to God. They care about being the center of the show. They think they're on a Broadway musical and the music sounds like a Broadway musical and they prance around like they're in some, uh, I don't know, Cats musical. This is why so many men have just filed out. They don't like Broadway musicals. There's only a certain kind of man who likes Broadway musicals. Okay? Those are the guys who got past the filter in seminary and got shot back out in the pool. Vigano says, the crisis of authority must be denounced. It's not enough to tiptoe around it in 2022. Denounce it. Denounce it. I denounce it. You should denounce it. No more tiptoeing. No, well, he's got a bad advisor. Well, does he really know? The seminaries aren't really that bad. The seminaries are going to get better. The new seminarians are even more conservative. The holes are still in the filter. And then he says, because the action of those have reached, quote, the highest levels of leadership, both of nations and the church. It's a subversive and criminal act. It's the same thing in America with the politics. It's the same thing in France with the politics. Uh, same thing in Canada with the politics. Germany, England. And careful, we might have to walk out east and start talking about those countries as well. These also have been infiltrated because there are powerful, rich, billionaire technarchs who control technology and control the flow of money and control the flow of information and media. And they will place who they want in the churches and they will place who they want in the governments. All right, well, there's more to the interview, and I invite you to go to LifeSite News. The name of the article is Archbishop Vigano. Both society and church are infiltrated by people who want to destroy them. It's a good article. Perhaps I will come back and do the rest of the article. It gets very specific, and it starts talking about uh, Ukraine and European forces and Zelensky and Schwab and New World Order and all those topics as well. I wanted to focus really on the opening, which is vegan, which is Lefebvre, Sunkal Mafia, and this whole idea of infiltration. Get wrapped around that. Okay. It is Holy Week, and I am giving away a beautiful rosary by 
Sarah from Rosaries. This is a heirloom quality rosary. I'm going to give it away for Easter. Blue, as you can see, the centerpiece has Our Lady of Fatima. This is your Fatima rosary. It's absolutely gorgeous. It, uh, let me see if I have. Uh, it retails from $375 to $400. Okay, this is not the kind of rosary you just let roll into the laundry or out on the park bench. This is a super nice rosary. This is the kind of rosary you give someone when you get married. This is the kind of rosary you carry with you on your wedding day, on your first communion, when you come into the church. It's a gorgeous rosary. I'll be giving away, again, retail, $375, $400. Everything on here is hand cast, handmade. It's tough. It's thick. It's strong. I was carrying a seraphim rosary once in my backpack. I didn't have it in my pocket because I didn't want to get lost during uh, security. TSA pulled me aside, made me wait forever with my backpack. And finally, they pulled out my seraphim rosary and they said, what is this? And I said, it's my rosary. And they looked at it and they could tell, okay. And they said, okay, you're free to go. I said, what did you think it was? And they said, we thought it was a weapon. And I said, that's because it was a weapon. I didn't really say that because then they hold me. So this is a seraphim rosary. I'm going to give this away. Okay. The way you, it's a thank you giveaway. All right. To everyone who supports this podcast. How do you support this podcast? You go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. And there are different levels there. I'll send you signed copies of Infiltration. I'll send you signed copies of Eternal City. I'll send you signed copies of, I have 10 books. It's all on there. If you're looking for signed copies, if you want merch, those are all thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting my work on this podcast. And you go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. I will come back with my two cute little daughters and we will randomly select a winner for this $400 handmade hand cast, gorgeous, precious stone rosary from Seraphim Rosaries. By the way, if you want one, you can go to Seraphim Rosaries. Uh, I think it's, what is it? Is it seraphim.com? Hold up. Oh, drats, I don't have it open. Oh, here it is. Seraphim.com. Seraphim has a Y in it. Seraphim. I think if you use my name, Taylor, you'll get 20% off. I think. Uh, hopefully that's the case. So uh, go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. Support this channel. Support my work. Support these videos. I think we're coming up on me having put up a thousand videos on YouTube. A thousand videos. How is that possible? How do I keep going? The Patreons. If you're a generous patron, you're the one who helped put fuel in that tank for me to do it. And if you'd like to join our team and become a generous patron and support this channel, you go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. Choose a level that fits you. And uh, any if you're in those levels, you'll be in the drawing when we give away this gorgeous seraphim rosary. Rosary. Also, lots of people are asking me about Holy Week traditional Latin Mass. I challenged everyone, find a traditional Latin Mass and go for the six Sundays of Lent. Take the Latin Mass Challenge, and many of you have, and you're writing me like, I can't believe it, Taylor. I can't believe it. It's so beautiful. I've never had a Lent like this before. I am so enriched. I've made amazing a whole course for you. The course is, let's see if I can pull it up here. Boom, 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 boom. Here it is. Okay. 
This is my course, Theology of the Traditional Latin Mass in the Roman Rite. I go through, this is the intro. Here, I just give you how to pray. How do you pray the Our Father in Latin? The Hail Mary, the Glory Be. This is not me going fast like at the beginning of the show. This is me going slow, word by word, pronouncing the vowels. All right, so it's the Fatima prayer, the Salve Regina, the Apostles' Creed. How do you pray the table prayer? Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. I go through that. I even show you how to chant it. Benedict Domine, no sed hec tua dona, quede tua lagetari summa sum tuori, pe Christum Dominum nostrum. Amen. All my kids know that. You can too. This is the video, right? You just click on it. And then the seven Latin mass responses. Do you want to know the responses and how to say them? You click on this video. And when you do, oops, I'm not logged in. You get it. Here is a tradition of the entire mass, how to set up your missile, the different kinds of Latin mass, the vestments, the things on the altar, how the altar is set up. Here's a walkthrough on how to go through the Latin mass. I go step by step through every single part of the Latin mass. And then here's a history of the Roman rite from Peter to Constantine, from Constantine to Pope Damasus, from Gregory the Great to the three sacramentaries, to the medieval rites, to Paul Pius V, Vatican II and Novus Ordo debate, and then there's a quiz. And if you do all this, and you do the review, and you take the exam, and you make 80 or above, you get your certificate. Your certificate in the traditional Latin Mass and Roman Rite. This is one of nine certificates. There's Catholic philosophy, Catholic theology, apologetics, church fathers. Oops. Medieval history, Reformation and modern, New Testament. I go through the entire New Testament for you in videos. And the Old Testament. All of this is videos, just like you're seeing me on the screen right now. I'd encourage you to go to NewStThomas.com and sign up. There's a 21-day tuition back, money-back guarantee if you don't like it. You lose nothing. You gain everything. If you want to learn about the traditional Latin Mass and you want my face on the screen with a missile going through every single thing, go to NewStThomas.com, sign up, start taking the courses. You can take all of these courses. It's all inclusive, all inclusive. You take these courses. I have people who have done all 10 courses. I have people who do two or three courses and then they're good. NewStThomas.com. Please do sign up. We have right now open enrollment for the spring. Open enrollment for the spring. So if you want to get in, now's a chance to get in. There are limited seats. We don't always have it open. Right now, enrollment is open. NewStThomas.com. NewStThomas.com. Don't miss out. Do it. All right. That's a show. Thanks for watching, everybody. Pray the rosary every single day. It is Holy Week. Oh, one more thing. If you become a Patreon supporter this week, I am giving you the Gospel of John to listen to on voice stream on your phone. So while you're driving, you listen to the whole Gospel of John, which is the most important Gospel during Good Friday. It is the Good Friday Passion. So I really want everyone, if you can, to listen to the Gospel of John. You can also go on YouTube and hear me read uh, Gospel of John. That's on there. But also in Patreon, I have uploaded the historical descriptions of the ancient Triduum. 
Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday, as they were in the earliest days of the church. It's not long. It's something that you can probably listen to in under 15 minutes. But it's a great way, I think, during Holy Week for you to learn and expose yourself to the history, the tradition of the Roman Rite and Holy Week. So everyone who's in, already a Patreon or who will become a Patreon patron this week, you will have access to that uh, this week. Just you know, look in the resources. Uh, you can download it, listen to it, or you can read it. If you want to read it, you don't have to listen to it. Either way, um, it's, a, it's a really good resource. And uh, I think for Holy Week, it's going to be awesome. It's great. I, I read it every year because it reminds me of how deep our theology and our liturgy is in the Catholic Church during Holy Week. Okay, pray your rosary every single day. If you don't pray the rosary, you're not on the team. Thanks for watching. Today's Tuesday. I'm recording this Tuesday. Tomorrow is Spy Wednesday, and then we really get into the Triduum. We get into the Holy Week. So I'll, I'll be doing more videos uh, this week, God willing. But until next time, make sure you like this video. That's the thumb up button. Make sure you share this video on Facebook. There's a little share button. Hit the share button and then click Facebook and then hit enter and it'll go to on your Facebook. Your friends and your family will see this video. Thank you for doing that. And then please subscribe. That's the most important thing. Subscribe and hit the bell and you'll be notified when I go live. If you have any questions about this video, leave a comment below. I try to read. I try to. There's sometimes hundreds of comments and it's hard to get to, but I do try to read the comments and answer some questions. All right. Remember, our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed. If you want to take some online courses, especially on the Latin Mass, go to NewStThomas.com. If you want to be in the running for the beautiful Seraphim Rosary, go to Patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. Yeah, that's it. God bless and Godspeed.